European Heart Journal Issue at a Glance, Volume 43, Issue 8. Focus Issue, Epidemiology and Prevention, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Filippo Crea, read to you by Morgan Bryan. The Atlas of Cardiovascular Disease in Europe and a Focus on Frailty and Cardiovascular Risk. This focus issue on epidemiology and prevention contains the European Society of Cardiology Cardiovascular Disease Statistics 2021 by Adam Timmis and colleagues from the Atlas Writing Group. The authors point out that their report from the European Society of Cardiology or ESC Atlas Project updates and expands on the widely cited 2019 report in presenting cardiovascular disease or CVD statistics for the 57 ESC member countries. Data sources include the World Health Organization, or WHO, the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation, the World Bank, and novel ESC-sponsored data on human and capital infrastructure and cardiovascular healthcare delivery. New material in this report includes socio-demographic and environmental determinants of CVD, rheumatic heart disease, out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, left-sided valvular heart disease, the advocacy potential of these CVD statistics, and progress towards WHO 2025 targets for non-communicable diseases. New material in this report includes sociodemographic and environmental determinants of CVD, rheumatic heart disease, out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, left-sided valvular heart disease, the advocacy potential of these CVD statistics, and progress towards the WHO 2025 targets for non-communicable diseases. Salient observation in this report include the following. 1. Females born in ESC member countries in 2018 are expected to live 80.8 years and males 74.8 years. Life expectancy is longer in high income, 81.6 years, compared with middle income, 74.2 years countries. 2. In 2018, high-income countries spent, on average, four times more on healthcare than middle-income countries. 3. The median PM2.5 concentrations in 2019 were over twice as high in middle-income ESC countries compared with high-income countries, and exceeded the EU air quality standard in 14 countries, all middle-income. 4. In 2016, more than one in five adults across the ESC member countries were obese, with a similar prevalence in high- and low-income countries. The prevalence of obesity has more than doubled over the past 35 years. 5. The burden of CVD falls hardest on middle-income ESC member countries, where estimated incident rates are approximately 30% higher compared with high-income countries. This is reflected in disability-adjusted life years due to CVD, which are nearly four times as high in middle-income compared with high-income countries. 6. The incidence of calcific aortic valve disease has increased sevenfold during the last 30 years, with age-standardized rates four times as high in high-income compared with middle-income countries. 7. Although the total number of CVD deaths across all countries far exceeds the number of cancer deaths for both sexes, there are 15 ESC member countries in which cancer accounts for more deaths than CVD in males, 
and five member countries in which cancer accounts for more deaths than CVD in females. 8. The under-resourced status of middle-income countries is associated with a severe procedural deficit compared with high-income countries in terms of coronary intervention, ablation procedures, device implantation and cardiac surgical procedures. The authors conclude that risk factors and unhealthy behaviours are potentially reversible and this provides a huge opportunity to address the health inequalities across ESC member countries that are highlighted in this report. It seems clear, however, that efforts to seize this opportunity are falling short and present evidence suggests that most of the WHO non-communicable disease targets for 2025 are unlikely to be met across ESC member countries. This issue contains two special articles of the series The Year in Cardiovascular Medicine in The Year in Cardiovascular Medicine 2021, Acute Cardiovascular Care and Ischemic Heart Disease. Susanna Price and colleagues from the Royal Brompton Hospital in London, UK, point out that in the year when COVID-19 continued to dominate healthcare, its impact on cardiovascular disease in the acute and emergency settings remained evident. The cardiovascular literature documented persistent disruption in healthcare delivery, with continued reduction in patients presenting with ST segment elevation myocardial infarction, or STEMI, an increased late presentation of STEMI infarct size and complications, delay in revascularization, reduction in admissions for acute heart failure, and an associated increased in-hospital acute heart failure mortality. Despite this immense disruption to healthcare, significant advances were nonetheless made in the fields of acute coronary syndromes, ischemic heart disease, and acute cardiovascular care, with several important papers published in the European Heart Journal and elsewhere that significantly furthered our knowledge in these fields. In a second article from this series, The Year in Cardiovascular Medicine 2021, Dyslipidemia, Lale Tokuzoglu and colleagues from the Hacettepe University in Ankara, Turkey, indicate that the past year was an exciting time for clinical lipidology, when we learned more about existing therapies as well as therapies targeting novel pathways discovered through genetic studies. LDL cholesterol, or LDLC, remained the main target, and a variety of drugs to lower LDLC through different mechanisms were explored. Emerging evidence on the atherogeneity of triglyceride-rich lipoproteins led to renewed interest in lowering them with new treatments. LPA was back in focus, with evidence on causality and new targeted therapeutics which dramatically lower LPA levels. We'll be able to personalize lipid-lowering therapy further with this enriched armamentarium once we have the results of the cardiovascular outcome studies with some of these new agents. Frailty is associated with an increased risk of all-cause mortality and cardiovascular events. Limited data exists from the modern era of CVD prevention on the relationship between frailty and cardiovascular mortality. In a clinical research article entitled Frailty and Cardiovascular Mortality in More Than 3 Million U.S. Veterans, William Schrauner and colleagues from the Harvard Medical School in Boston, Massachusetts, USA, hypothesized that frailty is associated with an increased risk of cardiovascular mortality. All U.S. veterans aged greater than or equal to 65 years 
who were regular users of Veteran Affairs Care from 2002 to 2017, were included. Frailty was defined using a 31-item previously validated frailty index, ranging from 0 to 1. The primary outcome was cardiovascular mortality, with secondary analysis examining the relationship between frailty and cardiovascular events, myocardial infarction, stroke and revascularization. Survival analysis models were adjusted for age, sex, ethnicity, geographic region, smoking, hyperlipidemia, statin use and blood pressure medication use. There were 3,068,439 US veterans included in the analysis. Mean age was 74 years in 2002, 76 years in 2014, 98% were male and 87.5% were white. In 2002, the median interquartile range frailty score was 0 0.16, 0 0.10 to 0 0.23. This increased and stabilized to 0 0.19, 0 0.10 to 0 0.32 for the years 2006 to 2014. The presence of frailty was associated with an increased risk of cardiovascular mortality at every stage of frailty. Frailty was associated with an increased risk of myocardial infarction and stroke, but not revascularization. The authors conclude that in this population, both the presence and severity of frailty are tightly correlated with cardiovascular death, independent of underlying CVD. This study is the largest and most contemporary evaluation of the relationship between frailty and cardiovascular mortality to date. Further work is needed to understand how this risk can be diminished. We were very sorry to hear that the first author of this contribution, Professor William Schrauner, unfortunately passed away. His considerable contribution to science will be remembered and will live on in contributions such as the one published here. This manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by S. Goyawanamethi from UCL in London, UK. The author notes that the quest to find new risk markers to assess CVD risk continues and frailty may be a promising additional marker where current prediction scores tend to predict less well in older adults. Screening for frailty is already recommended in specific settings and geriatric clinics. With an aging population, much effort is needed to reduce adverse CVD events associated with frailty through developing preventative strategies and primary prevention approaches, early identification and management of frailty, in the wider, older population, as well as tailored targeted interventions for frail adults with CVD. The last contribution is a viewpoint article entitled Combination Lipid-Lowering Therapy as First-Time Strategy in Very High-Risk Patients, authored by Kausik Ray and colleagues, from the Imperial College London in the UK. The authors note that advances in the armamentarium of LDLC lowering therapies enable physicians to achieve LDLC goals in very high risk patients without restriction to a specific drug class. Indeed, LDLC lowering per se, and not the drug target resulting in LDLC lowering, is the main driver of cardiovascular risk reduction. Therefore, physicians should move away from high-intensity statin treatment and the wait-and-watch paradigm and instead start treating all very high and extremely high-risk patients 
with combination therapy as the basic standard of care. This may afford significant improvements in population health across Europe. The issue is also complemented by two discussion forum contributions in a commentary entitled Long-Term Beta-Blocker Treatment in Stable Patients After Myocardial Infarction A Potential Impact Due to Changes in Diagnosis of Myocardial Infarction Jan Gerrit von der Staui and colleagues from the University Hospital Basel in Switzerland comment on the recent publication Effect of Long-Term Beta-Blocker Treatment Following Myocardial Infarction Among Stable optimally treated patients without heart failure in the reperfusion era. A Danish nationwide cohort study by Anders Holt from the Herlev and Gentofte University Hospital in Copenhagen, Denmark. Holt et al. respond in a separate comment. The editors hope that listeners of this issue of the European Heart Journal will find it of interest.